Christian to life, ancient, apostolic, and otherworldly monks' hour of music. For all those ascetics, living in virginity, devotion, and fasting, in monasteries, in deserts, in caves, on mountains, on pillars, in hermitages, in clefts of rock, and right faith.
thy meekness thou hast calmed the storm of life on the troubled peaks of thy city, O blessed Mother Xenia, and amidst the tumultuous world thou hast acquired passionlessness. Enlightened by the Holy Spirit thou didst cry to God, the giver of stillness of heart. Alleluia. He who has ears to hear, let him listen to the voice of another world. Good evening and welcome to O Gentle Light. Tonight's show will be dedicated to St. Xenia of Petersburg, who lived in the late 18th century. You're listening to The Nuns of Puktitsa Convent in Estonia.
life of Saint Xenia, homeless wanderer of the city of Peter. Little is known of the earthly life of this holy woman who was truly, as her name indicates, a stranger or foreigner on the earth, ever sighing and striving for the heavenly homeland. She lived, we do know, in the 18th century, during the reigns of the Empress Elizabeth and Catherine II, but the dates of her birth and death, as well as her family background, are not known to us. She spent almost all her life in Petersburg and bore the name Ksenia Grigorievna Petrova, being the wife of the army officer and court singer Andrew Fyodorovich Petrov. At the age of 26, Blessed Ksenia became a widow under conditions which changed the whole course of her life. Her husband, who was leading the ordinary worldly life of that time, died suddenly at an evening drinking party, without repentance or the reception of the holy mysteries. Out of grief, and especially out of concern for the eternal lot of her husband, Blessed Xenia undertook a strange way of life. She wore her husband's clothing and demanded that people call her Andrew Fyodorovich. Through the death of her beloved husband, she came to see the inconstant and passing nature of earthly life. All her previous earthly interests lost all significance for her, and her earthly existence now became the means for attaining eternal life in God. Against the wishes of her relatives, who protested to the military authorities, she gave away her house and all her possessions to the poor, and began to lead a homeless life as a wanderer in the poor quarter of Petersburg. Refusing all help from her friends and relatives, she rejoiced in her freedom from the things of this world. When her husband's clothes wore out, she dressed in rags, always in green and red, the colors of her husband's uniform. These she wore the year round, despite the severe northern frosts. After some time, Blessixenia suddenly disappeared from Petersburg and did not come back for eight years. During this time, she visited the holy elders and ascetics of that time, receiving from them instruction in true spiritual life and preparing herself for the difficult labor she was yet to undertake, foolishness for Christ's sake. One of the holy elders of this time, Blessed Theodore of Sanaxar, who died in 1791, who was well known in Petersburg first as a military man close to the court, and then as a monk and spiritual father, had himself changed his way of life after being present at the sudden death of a young officer at a drinking party. It is even possible that this young officer was Xenia's husband, and that this one sad event opened the path to sanctity for two Russian saints. Probably, in any case, Xenia knew of him and perhaps received spiritual instruction from him. After her return to Petersburg, Blessed Xenia remained in the same poor quarter, known as the Petersburg side. Here she lived as a homeless wanderer, enduring insults and mockery for her strange behavior, but always having before her the image of Christ, the great sufferer, who bore spitting and mockery in a shameful death without murmuring.
She would take no money from people except for copper coins, which she would use to help the poor. Nights she spent outside the city in a field without sleeping in constant prayer. In her emaciated face there shone the Christian virtues of meekness, humility, and kindness. Soon higher spiritual gifts began also to be revealed in her. She became clairvoyant and would prophesy by means of allegories and cryptic statements, future events not only of the ordinary inhabitants of Petersburg, but even of the royal family. Several incidents of her foreknowledge have come down to us.
Once Blessed Xenia went to visit a certain Kropivina, a merchant's wife, and being warmly greeted and spending some time in conversation with her and other guests, she thanked the hostess, and preparing to leave, pointed to Kropivina and said, See, the nettles, Krapiva in Russian, are green, but soon they will fade. No one paid any attention to the words of the Blessed One then, but soon the young Krapiniva, who had been in blossoming health, unexpectedly became sick and died. Then those who had been present remembered the saint's words and understood that by them she had prophesied the coming death of the merchant's wife. Another time, Blessed Xenia came to her good friend, Paraskeva Atonovna, to whom she had given her own house after becoming a widow, and told her, Here you are, sitting and mending stockings, and you don't know that God has sent you a son. Go quickly to the Smolensk cemetery. Antonova, who had known the Blessed One from her youth, knew well that no lying word ever issued from her lips. And so, despite the strangeness of her words, she immediately believed that something extraordinary had indeed happened, and she hastened to the Smolensk cemetery. Approaching the cemetery, she saw a large group of people, and she discovered that a coachman had run over a pregnant woman who had then given birth to a son right there on the street and then died herself. Having pity on the child, Paraskeva Antonova immediately took him home. Neither the Petersburg police force nor Antonova herself could find out who the dead mother was, nor who was the father of the child, and so the child remained with her. She gave him a good upbringing and education, and in time he became an eminent official, being a most respectful and loving son to his stepmother, and taking good care of her until her very death. He likewise showed the deepest respect for the memory of Blessed Xenia, who had done so much good for his stepmother, and had participated directly in his own fate at the very moment of his birth as a total orphan. Among the friends whom Blessed Xenia sometimes visited was likewise the Golubev family a mother and her seventeen-year-old daughter, who was very beautiful. Xenia greatly loved this girl for her meek and quiet manner and kind heart. Once Xenia came to visit them as they were sitting at table and preparing coffee. Oh, my beauty, she said to the daughter, here you are brewing coffee while your husband is burying his wife at Okta. Run there quickly. To the girl's puzzled response, Xenia only replied with an angry go. Knowing that Xenia never said anything without a meaning and revering her as a god-pleaser, the Golubevs instantly obeyed and set out for Okta. Here they saw a funeral procession heading for the cemetery. They joined the procession and took part in the funeral and burial of a doctor's young wife who had died in childbirth. After the services, the Golubevs were preparing to leave with the rest of the people, when unexpectedly they came upon the young widower, who, after weeping bitterly at the sight of the earth being heaped over the body of his beloved wife, fainted and fell right into their arms. The Golubevs brought him back to his senses, became acquainted with him, 
and a year later the daughter became his wife. They lived happily together to old age and gave as their testament to their children to take care of the grave and revere the memory of Blessed Xenia. Once Blessed Xenia met a pious woman friend on the street, stopped her, and giving her a copper five-cent piece with the image of a horseman, said, Take the five-cent piece. Here is the czar on a horse. It will be extinguished. The woman took the coin, said goodbye to Xenia, and went home, being in perplexity over what these strange words might mean. Hardly had she entered the street where she lived than she saw that her house had caught fire, but before she could even run up to the house the flames were extinguished. Then she understood the Blessed One's words.
1764, the former Tsar John VI, who had been imprisoned for 23 years in a Schlusselburg fortress in Petersburg, was killed during an uprising intended to restore him to the throne. For three weeks before this sad event, Blessed Xenia began to weep bitterly every day, sometimes for the entire day. People who met her felt sorry for her, and thinking someone had offended her, asked her, Why are you weeping, Andrew Fyodorovich? Has someone offended you? The Blessed One replied, There is blood there, blood, blood. There the rivers are filled with blood, the canals are bloody. There is blood there, blood, and started to weep yet more. No one could understand what had happened to the usually calm and good-natured Xenia, nor could make sense of her strange words. Only after three weeks, when the news of the death of the former Tsar spread throughout Petersburg, did everyone understand that by her weeping and strange words the Blessed One had prophesied his suffering and death. On the eve of the Feast of Christ's Nativity, December 24, 1761, Blessed Xenia spent the entire day running through the streets of the Petersburg side and cried loudly everywhere, Make pancakes, make pancakes. Soon the whole of Russia will be making pancakes. Everyone was perplexed as to what her strange words and conduct might mean. But the next day, all Petersburg heard the sad news. The Empress Elizabeth had died unexpectedly. Only then did everyone realize the meaning of the words of the Blessed One. She had prophesied the Empress' death when all of Russia would be serving funeral meals with the customary pancakes in memory of the dead. Once in a certain marketplace in Petersburg, the merchants succeeded in obtaining from a wealthy estate a supply of several sorts of the best honey. There was honey from the linden blossoms and from buckwheat and also from other flowers and plants. Each one had its own special taste and fragrance. And when the merchants mixed all three kinds of honey together in one barrel, such a flavor and such a taste were produced as to be beyond one's wildest dreams. People bought this honey immediately, not sparing any sum of money. And suddenly Blessed Xenia appeared. Don't take it, don't take it, she cried. This honey can't be eaten, it stinks of a corpse. You've gone out of your mind, Machka. Don't bother us, you see what a profit we are making. And how can you prove that this honey shouldn't be eaten? Here's how I'll prove it, screamed the Blessed One, leaned with all her might on the barrel, and overturned it. While the honey was flowing on the sidewalk, people closely surrounded the barrel. But when all the honey had flowed out, everyone cried out in horror and revulsion. At the bottom of the barrel lay an immense dead rat. Even those who had bought this honey for a dear price and carried it away in jars threw it out. Blessed Xenia became known and revered among the people as a God-pleaser. Her very presence in a house or shop was regarded as bringing prosperity and success. Mothers would bring their children to receive her blessings and kind words, convinced that this would bring health and happiness to them. When a stone church was being built in the Smolensk Cemetery in 1794, the Blessed One, now in old age, would bring bricks at night to the top of the church to ease the labors of the workmen the next day. God only knows what other similar labors she performed. Thus spending her life in constant readiness to help her neighbor, 
and ceaseless prayer and renunciation of all earthly goods. Blessed Xenia lived for forty-five years after the death of her husband. When and how she died we do not know, but her death probably occurred in the last years of the eighteenth century. She was buried in the Smolensk Cemetery. By the 1820s, great crowds of believers were gathering at the grave of Blessed Xenia to pray for the repose of her soul and ask in her intercession before God. So many people would take earth from her grave that it had to be replaced every year. When a stone slab was placed over the grave, people would chip pieces of it as a remembrance of the saint. Later, a chapel was built over her grave, and to this day, even though it has been closed for years, people go there to pray and gather a bit of earth or a piece of stone from the chapel wall. Miracles through the prayers of Blessed Xenia have not diminished over the years, but even increased in recent years as the day of her canonization drew near.
The following is one of the many remarkable miracles of Blessed Xenia in our own days. Theodore Hun of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, is a living witness of Blessed Xenia's miraculous intervention in his life from beyond the grave. Through her prayers, he was literally pulled out from the abyss of death, both physical and spiritual, for he was among the dead and rose to witness the truth of the Orthodox faith. T. Hyun, a Lutheran from Russia, for many years suffered from an ulcer which no medical treatment helped. On July 19, 1952, he began to bleed internally, was taken to the hospital and underwent an emergency operation, during which his heart stopped beating and he died. However, after some minutes of heart massage, the heart began to beat again. His wife and children outside were informed that ten minutes is the longest that the heart can be without beating. But we don't know exactly how long your husband's heart failed to beat, concluded the doctor. The interval of death was evidently longer than this, for oxygen had been cut off from the brain too long, and as a result, the process of brain decay had already set in, with symptoms of death agony. Even if by some chance he were to survive, his brain would be permanently damaged. His wife, who was then an Orthodox Christian only in name, writes, The next day he had convulsions, he was strapped to the bed, and the frightful agony began. He was unconscious for over a week. During this time, a friend, Mrs. Barbara Kirillovich, suggested that we have a panikita served for Blessed Xenia, saying, You will see that in half an hour he will feel better. She gave me a little bottle with a piece of cotton inside. The bottle had once contained oil from the lamp over Xenia's grave, and the cotton had once been soaked in it. She told me to make the sign of the cross on my husband's forehead and chest and then place the bottle under his pillow. We didn't know at all who this Xenia was, but I at once ordered a panakita to be served in church, asking in addition on my own part that a Malaban be served to the Kursk icon of the Mother of God, since I had heard that many had received help through this icon. This was done right away. Half an hour after the services had been sung, my husband opened his eyes for the first time, pronounced my name, and asked for oil. I thought he was hungry. Oil and butter are the same word in Russian, and wanted to eat, but he said faintly, Now I feel better. And then I understood and anointed him again, making the sign of the cross, and he quietly fell asleep. From that day on, he started to get better. The first time his daughter saw him, after he regained consciousness, he told her with radiant joy, I saw angels, I will live now. And he kept asking that some blue icon be shown to him. When he had regained strength, after some time he recounted the following. He felt he was somewhere in the midst of dark tunnels, struggling over pipes in deep ditches where it was terribly cold. He was about to sink into some dark pit when an old woman in men's clothing and a short jacket and long boots 
appeared on the surface above. She took him by the hand and tried several times to pull him out. Every time that he felt he was sinking down into the marsh, she would pull him, until finally she pulled him out of the pit into the light. There he saw how she was dressed and that she was pulling a sled on which was a blue icon of the Mother of God. The woman came to an unfinished church and began to haul bricks on her sled to the scaffolding. I asked her if I could help, but she said that she had to do it herself, concluded Mr. Hoon, who knew nothing at all about Xenia. Only after a visit by Archimandrite Anthony, now Archbishop of San Francisco, who brought him a booklet on the life of Blessed Xenia with a picture of her, did he realize who she was, as he exclaimed with thanksgiving, That's the woman I saw. His recovery proceeded with astonishing rapidity. Mrs. Hune writes, when we were leaving the hospital, the head nurse was moved to tears, since no one in the hospital thought that my husband would live. The doctor, when I thanked him, said, Do not thank me, it was someone above me. And on August 26, the day of St. Tikhon of Zdansk and the apotheosis of the Transfiguration, my husband re was received into the Orthodox Church, and he now takes an active part in church life, being assistant to the church warden. Relatively recently, Mr. Hune was able to see for the first time the original Kursk icon when it was visiting the Edmonton Diocese. With awe, he beheld and immediately recognized this splendid and truly wonder-working icon, adorned with a glittering bright blue Riza just exactly as he had seen it in the other world, being carried by Blessed Xenia, who, with a foolishness above this world, opened to him the doors of eternal salvation, granting to us a glimpse of God's unfathomable mercy to mankind.
This is listener-supported community radio for the Sacramento Valley, FM 90.1 KZFR Chico, 107.1 FM in Reading. You're listening to the Nuns of Putitsa Convent in Estonia.
light-bearing beam in the darkness of this life, thou art a path to the light unapproachable. Such was thy life, O God-wise Xenia, and thy universal glorification was illumined by many miracles. And in the terrible hour of persecution by the godless, the faithful have not forsaken thy chapel. But heedless of the fear of death, they hasten to thee with faith and hope, singing in their hearts these words of praise. Rejoice, O hope of the hopeless! Rejoice, salvation of those perishing in the pit of despair! Rejoice, protectress of the humiliated and persecuted! Rejoice, defender from slander and false conviction! Rejoice, consolation of the injured and deprived! Rejoice, fierce corrector of those who injure others. Rejoice, heavenly protectress of the city of St. Peter. Rejoice, provider and mother for the land of Russia. Rejoice, O blessed Xenia, intercessor for our souls.
With us tonight in the studio, James Barfield, who visited the grave of Blessed Xenia in December of 1992, and he has offered to give us an account of his visit there. Welcome, James. Thank you. This was in 1992 in uh, late December, which in Russia is very cold time. In fact, there was a blizzard going on at that time. And I was in Russia to work on the Ruski Palomnik Russian language magazine, and I had a job to get a life story of a fool for Christ, blessed Matrona. And in order, it's, that's a long story, but in order to get that manuscript, I had to travel to St. Petersburg and to get the blessing of a fool for Christ, living fool for Christ, Lubov. And this was through the directions of an elder Naum. And so I was doing that with the, with the direction of two of his spiritual daughters. They were taking me there. And we took a long Russian train trip from Moscow to St. Petersburg, which took approximately 10 hours in a very uncomfortable car. And during the trip, both of the ladies who were taking me had decided that I should be a monk, uh, which was very nice of them to decide that. The only problem was I was engaged to be married. So we had this long, long discussion, which uh, took place in the train of about 10 hours. And, of course, in a Russian train, everybody gets involved in the conversation. So for all this time, I had all these people saying, yes, he should be married, or no, he should be a monk. And they were arguing about me and and sharing food and having a a wonderful time, all at my expense. However, when we got to uh, St. Petersburg, finally totally exhausted we stopped off at numerous places among which was St. Xenia's grave which I very much wanted to go and we went there and it was there was a blizzard going on um, the cemetery was just packed with snow how they could even find their way through I don't know but we, we plowed through this snow and we came and we first thing we saw that I could see was St. Xenia's uh, this little chapel surrounding her grave it's blue and it uh, almost luminescent it shines in the snow it was so beautiful and almost like a dream it seemed and you, as we came closer to it we began to smell incense from quite a ways away because there's constant services going on in the chapel of course as we read in that uh, account the chapel was closed for many many years during Soviet times and uh, people kept coming to the grave, sometimes at risk of their life, to pray outside the fence, the boarded-up fence. They would pray, and, of course, miracles were happening, and many people were consoled and strengthened during the communist persecution of Christians in Russia. And with the uh, fall of communism, uh, the gra- grave of the chapel over a grave is now open, and there's constant prayer and constant services going on there, almost 24 hours a day. 
uh, when I went, we went there, it was quite late at night. And, of course, like I said, a blizzard was going on. And we walked into the chapel, and it was packed. There was most, it was a very small chapel, about the size of this room, maybe twice to, twice as big as this room. It was uh, There was maybe 50 people there, which was packed. And it's very beautiful inside. There's an iconostas. And in... And, um, Actually, I don't remember if there's an iconostas, but uh, but there was icons everywhere. And then as you came up to her grave, it says right there's a big slab, and on the side of the slab it says, "Whoever prays for my soul, I will pray for them before God." She had the boldness to say this before she died, and of course when she said, "Pray for my soul," she was asking to pray for her husband, who who uh, died at a drinking party, who she took on his name. So she was always asking for people to pray for Andrew. And as we went in there, uh, of course I was in another world by by just being there all my life. I'd wanted to be there. And we walked in, and the first thing the ladies did was run up to the priest and say, Eta Yaakov, monarch, da? And they had this big argument with the priest that here's James, he should be a monk, and they won't, he won't listen to them. And so the priest stopped them and said, We'll, don't worry about it. I'll serve a moleban, which is a small service, to St. Xenia. I'll read the gospel on Yaakov's head, which is me, James. So that I'll read the gospel on James' head. I'll anoint him with oil from her lampada, and then you'll have your answer tomorrow morning. He said it's very matter-of-factly, which means that that's what they're used to. So they did that, and he read the gospel on my head and anointed me, and we left and the ladies were satisfied and later on of course we through many circumstances we met, we went and I spent the evening with Blessed Lubov who's a living fool for Christ and yes we did I did get my answer the next morning <laughs> and, and I am now married and as well as many other things that which were revealed thank you James now back to the nuns of Piktitsa convent
We would now like to play for you a portion of a service to St. Xenia, which was recorded live at Holy Nativity Convent, a Greek Orthodox convent in Brookline, Massachusetts. Thou hast hungry fullness with Christ God, our Savior. 
tendest thou behold my body's grievous infirmity, then heal thou the cause of my soul's sorrow. Have mercy on us, O God, according to thy great mercy, we pray thee, hearken and have mercy. Oh, 
Long before her death in the late 18th century, Blessed Xenia was revered by the people as the beloved of God because of her truly ascetic way of life, her gift of clairvoyance, and the help she gave to her neighbors, all of which sprang from her deeply loving heart. As a young woman, Xenia Grigorievna Petrova had been happily married when suddenly her husband died at a drinking party without the church's last rites. This shock opened her eyes to the spiritual world. In order to follow Christ, she gave away her house and literally everything she had. Then, homeless, even at night, she spent the remaining forty-five years of her life wandering the streets of the capital's poorest neighborhoods, deep in prayer as a fool for Christ. She put on her husband's clothes and insisted that everyone call her by her husband's name, Andrei Fyodorovich, since Xenia is dead and not her husband, for whose soul she constantly prayed. Due to her meekness, humility, and great capacity to love, God gave her the gift of helping people by clairvoyant advice, warning, consolation, and a power of miraculous healing. She was buried in the Smolensk Cemetery where she had so often prayed. Thank you for joining us and good night.